When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to um, the review for our quiz. Hello. Uh, I'm going to run through these questions. There are 21 questions. Uh, this quiz will open up, uh, I think it, actually, I think it opened up at 1230. Uh, so you'll have uh, now through, I want to say Tuesday. Uh, I left it open through, so just get it done sometime between then or now and then. All righty. Uh, okay, so first up is knowing what a unitary state is. Okay, a unitary state remember is um, and I am recording sorry let me just say that so uh, a unitary state that is where all the power of the government is at the top and they have little different subdivisions political subdivisions down at the bottom but all power all decisions come from the central central power all right um, and you know they may even they probably have a constitution, uh, especially nowadays. These unitary states will have um, a constitution, and but they'll be governed as just one item, um, even if they have a legislature and, and things like that. Okay, um, the legislative branch. So, and I'm the the quiz goes all over the place, and I'm just I'll I'll be all over the place with this thing. So if it's like where where is he going? He's from early on when we talked about the different types of governments to now he's in the, the United States Constitution. That's why I'm just going basically through the the quiz list. Okay. Um, so the legislative branch, remember, they are the ones that are going to write laws. All right, that is their main goal. But kind of as a check and balance thing, they also have other things. So they have to confirm most of the presidential appointments. They're the ones that can declare war. They're the ones that can say, hey, print money. Uh, so all those different things that come with it, they don't just write, you know, we say, hey, the legislative branch writes the laws, but they do a lot more than just that. They also, like I said, declare war. Uh, they control the budget and items like that. All right, the amendment process for our Constitution, it comes from Article 5 of the Constitution. The Founding Fathers knew that this thing was going to need to be changed, that it wasn't going to stand the test of time, just staying as it is. So they made a process to amend it and make changes. And you do need to know the process. So uh, first off, uh, an amendment has to get approved, all right? And uh, it gets approved by one of two ways, either Congress, so the people up in Washington, DC, or uh, we could call a national convention. And then two thirds, of those people have to say, yes, we like this amendment. Let's make it a thing. And once they've done that, it then goes to the states for ratification. Now, the states have uh, either state legislatures, so like the people down in Atlanta that we've elected for our state representation, or uh, state conventions could be called. And three-fourths of them would have to say yes to sign in this thing. Once they get three-fourths, which is 38, 38 states, it becomes an amendment. Now, we've not had an amendment since 1992, so it's been a long time. 
since we've had an amendment to the Constitution because it is a difficult process. It is something that the founding fathers said, hey, we don't just need amendments happening like every day. So it is a process uh, that is pretty difficult. All right. But once again, two thirds vote in Congress. And then three fourths of the states have to sign it. All right, so we had all kinds of European philosophers we talked about, Hobbes, Voltaire, Rousseau, Montesquieu, so you do, uh, Locke, so you do need to know these people. Um, so Montaire, uh, Montaire, I'm trying to combine some of their names. Uh, Montesquieu, he was the separation of powers guys, so we don't want to have one person, one group with all the powers, so writing laws, enforcing laws, you know, judging laws, things like that. Uh, so instead, let's separate them, so that's where that comes from. Alrighty, uh, Voltaire, he was the freedom of speech, freedom of religion guy. He wrote uh, extensively about that, about those items. And that's where some of the stuff that we you know, have comes from. Uh, Hobbes was social contract guy. So he, him and Locke kind of were on the same page there. Uh, and then they believed that we as citizens made it a, a, you know, just uh, it's not a real agreement, but we made an agreement with the government to give up our rights to rule ourselves. And then Rousseau was big into the majority minority rights. So he said the majority party cannot just completely ignore the minority party. All right. So let's say the Democrats win the 2020 election by a landslide. All right. Uh, and people who are Republican slash conservative are now the minority. You know, Rousseau would say, hey, you can't just the Democrats, you can't completely ignore the Republican issues. All right, you have to address those somehow because that's that's not how our system should work. Okay. Uh, we just talked about uh, the separation of powers, so we got that. Um, checks and balances. Remember, those are don't get them confused with separation of powers. Uh, checks and balances. Those are the kind of the watchdog function that the the three branches have over each other. So the president can veto legislation. Um, the what you call it. Uh, Supreme Court can declare stuff unconstitutional. Uh, Congress can override vetoes. They have to approve most of the president's appointments. Uh, all those sorts of things are going to be um, what you call it, checks and balances. So on the quiz, you want to pick out you know, some examples of checks and balances. So just be aware that when you're going through and taking it, uh, you can have your stuff open. So if you want to have the PowerPoint, so we went over with checks and balances, that might be a good idea. Uh, the executive branch is led by the president. The legislative branch doesn't have a true leader. Uh, and then the judicial branch, they're kind of led by the Supreme Court and there's a chief justice there. All right. So uh, no real leadership from for, not, like there's not an official. Hey, this is this is the person in charge of the legislative branch. Uh, you have leadership on both sides of the of, of the judicial of the uh, legislative branch, but no real leader. Then you got the president and then the, the Supreme Court justices. All right. We talked about the amendment process in Article 5. So there's that. Um, just understand that there was it wasn't the U.S. Constitution wasn't just uh, the brainchild of some some random founding father. He read a lot uh, and combined a lot of the different documents we looked at. Some of them are in your, your origins of uh, uh, the government Twitter project, things like the you know, uh, Magna Carta and items like that all contributed to our. U.S. Constitution. And that's the number one source of, of government power is the Constitution. Uh, it is where everything comes from. If there was, you know, if the Constitution doesn't say they can't do it, uh, then there's a chance they're not allowed to do it, uh, our government. All right. 
Uh, let's see. We talked about Hobbs, Locke, Montesquieu, and all those guys and how they are going to be big contributors to our government without even knowing it. Uh, we are a republic, and we're a republic because we elect people to make laws for us. You know, we elect our representatives to make laws for us. Uh, John Locke, we said, was social contract. He was also the natural right guys. I can't remember if I said that or not, uh, but he was the natural rights guy. And that's where Jefferson got a lot of his ideas for the Declaration of Independence from. So if you remember back to the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, well, John Locke, back in the 1600s, had written the natural rights for life, liberty, and property. And so Jefferson borrowed heavily from Locke uh, for those things. All right. Uh, all the stuff we've been talking about, the checks and balances, the rights of the accused, separation of powers, all that kind of stuff, uh, all those things combined are in order to have a limited government. So we want to have small government with little overreach. And like I've said a couple of times, the founding fathers would be pretty shocked and pretty disappointed. I think they'd be disappointed in the size and the scope of our government nowadays, because this is not what they really truly believed uh, was supposed to happen, I don't think. That's my opinion, you know, based on what I've read and seen. But um, anyways, I'll move forward. Uh, after the Revolutionary War, we had the Articles of Confederation. Remember, it was a poor government. And when I say poor, it was weak and had no power. It could not tax. It could not raise an army. It could not control commerce. The states really just did whatever they wanted to. And so uh, it was very, very bad. Uh, and we had to eventually scrap it. And that's where the Constitution comes from, is from those weaknesses. All right. Uh, let's see. You need to know the difference between a parliamentary democracy and a presidential democracy. Uh, remember, parliamentary democracy, and this is, once again, all the way back to like the second day of class, third day of class, something like that. Uh, parliamentary democracy, this is where there is going to be some kind of prime minister, so kind of like a president. But uh, in parliamentary, the, um, the, the, the prime minister is a part of parliament uh, and is probably chosen from uh, the parliamentary members versus presidential where they are completely separate and the president is you know picked by the citizens by the the, the population uh, authoritarian government and a democratic government uh, remember democratic governments were in charge or at least we're supposed to be authoritarian uh, authoritarian government we have no say so in anything okay uh, Article 1 sets up the legislative branch, the compromises at the convention. I think we already did that, but I'm going to check real quick. I just came off of another review, and I'm getting stuff mixed up now. Maybe we didn't do the, the, those. So let me let me talk about the the, the compromises. bell rings. Give me a second to collect myself here. Yeah, I don't think I talked about them yet. Okay, so there's three there's three uh, compromises you got to know. So the Great Compromise, uh, this is going to combine the Virginia plan and the New Jersey plan uh, and give us the two house legislation that we have today. Uh, the original plan called for one house. And the Virginia plan called for it to be based on population, which upset the small states. And then the New Jersey plan was what the small states came up to counter and said, well, hey, let's have let's have representation based on equality. 
And so eventually the great compromise was, was completed and that's where they combined the two. So we have the House of Representatives based on population. Big states are pumped up and happy there. And then the Senate is based on equality. So the little states are happy there. The three-fifths compromise dealt with representation and taxes. So population was going to determine how many people you had in the House and also how much you paid in taxes. So the South had this whole population of, of slaves, all right, that they wanted to count for representation purposes. But they then when it came for tax purposes, they said, no, they're, they're property. They don't count. So they wanted to have it that way. The North was the opposite. They wanted the slave population to count for tax purposes, but not for representation purposes. So there's the impasse that they were at. And so they eventually decided, well, we'll just do the three-fifths thing where we'll count three-fifths of the slave population. And then the other one is the Commerce Compromise. And this one is going to deal with um, the slave trade. The South did not want the federal government to be able to touch the slave trade, to, to regulate the slave trade, or the importation of slaves, excuse me. And then the North wanted the government to. So the decision was made, well, we'll just leave it alone for 20 years. So 1808 is when the, the federal government was able to start regulating the importation of slavery, of slaves. Okay. And then finally, uh, just kind of the, the big thing at the heart of our democracy is popular sovereignty or the fact that the power of the government comes from me and you, right, as, as citizens. So uh, there is our short little quick review. I'm going to stop recording.